Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. This year's corn crop in the Texas High Plains produced something that really wasn't expected, a little bit of profit. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Young farmers and ranchers recognized at Texas Farm Bureau's state convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A simple one-time solution does not exist for weed control in pastures and hay meadows. We will talk about important factors in weed control. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas High Plains corn farmers are wrapping up 2020 in better shape than they might have expected early on. James Hunt has the story. Back at planting time, our area corn farmers were confronted by low grain prices and the beginnings of what proved to be months of persistent drought. Add in the market collapse that occurred as the pandemic took hold, and turning a profit from this year's corn seemed doubtful throughout most of the season. Nevertheless, David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says the ultimate outcome has turned out much brighter. That's going to boil down to some of their individual costs, but they could easily be looking at 10 to 25 cents per bushel above what their cost of doing business was for this year. Along with a big boost from the recent rise in the corn market, there's also strong demand from area feedlots and dairies, and Gibson says Texas High Plains corn farmers are currently getting cash bids ranging anywhere from 40 cents to nearly a dollar above the December futures price. And with forage in short supply, Gibson says corn farmers have also benefited from a surge in silage sales. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New leadership of the House Agriculture Committee is starting to fall into place following the defeat of current Ag Committee Chairman Colin Peterson of Minnesota. The Democratic Steering Committee has nominated David Scott of Georgia to chair the committee in the next Congress. Scott is currently second in seniority on the committee behind Peterson, and he had Peterson's endorsement. On the other side of the aisle, the Republican Steering Committee has nominated G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania to serve as the ranking member on the Ag Committee. He'll be replacing our own Mike Conaway, who's retiring from Congress. Young agricultural leaders across Texas were recognized this week by the state's largest farm organization. Tom Nicoletti has more. During the recent virtual convention of the Texas Farm Bureau, Awards were announced in various young farmer and rancher competitions. The winner of TFB's discussion meet was Josh Ritchie of Erath County. Ritchie grows hay, raises horses and cattle, in addition to operating a pumpkin patch, corn maze, and agritourism venue on his farm outside Stephenville. 
Also at the 87th annual meeting of the largest farm and ranch organization in Texas, Jessica Rumbaugh of El Campo won the Excellence in Agriculture competition. The Wharton County woman is a licensed real estate broker specializing in rural land properties. My roots run very deep in agriculture. I'm a fourth generation farmer and rancher, and I went to Texas A&M University where I majored in agricultural leadership and development. And I'm the owner of Texas Land and Home, which is a real estate company that focuses on rural properties. I work to really incorporate education and especially rural land ownership into my business model. And I encourage my clients to look at farm and ranch properties for future investment, rather than only looking at that land from a development aspect. We're losing a staggering amount of farmland annually across our country. And of course I understand in being in real estate that population growth and development is inevitable, but I also believe that it's incredibly important to widely educate how important agriculture is so that it's more widely understood what a valuable and necessary asset it is for our entire world. Matt and Jessica Hanslick from Lavaca County were recognized as the winning couple of Farm Bureau's 2020 Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher competition. On the Hanslick's farm and ranch, they grow corn and hay, raise cattle, and are part owners of an all-natural fertilizer company in which they take chicken litter and upcycle it for use as farm fertilizer. And in addition to that, I'm a regional sales manager for a shell egg producer. I'm a fifth-generation farmer. I grew up here in Whitting, Texas on a family farm working alongside my dad and grandfather raising cattle, corn, and hay. I went to school at Texas A&M Kingsville where I would come home on the weekends to work on the farm. It's just something I always wanted to do. I grew up in Tobald, Texas, which is more of an urban area. I was involved in my high school ag program where I acquired my passion for agriculture and poultry, which is why I pursued a poultry science degree from Texas A&M. Society is becoming more concerned with sustainability and how food is produced. The agri-food industry is changing to meet the demand of consumers, which is where our fertilizer business plays a key role. We pick up poultry manure from a local farm and spread it on farms and ranches in the area. Not only has the fertilizer been a successful business for us, but has also allowed us to increase hay and corn yields as well as improve grazing land. It's a different world that we live in today, but working and living on a farm is very rewarding. It's what I love to do. It makes me proud to see all our hard work pay off when we are harvesting, cutting hay, or selling cattle. It makes me proud to be a role model for my kids and to be a part of the 2% feeding the rest of the world. All winners of Texas Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Awards will represent Texas in the national competitions through the American Farm Bureau Federation in January. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A simple one-time solution for weed control in pastures and hay meadows just does not exist. Dr. Vanessa Olson looks at the big picture of controlling pasture weeds. There are several factors that are important when it comes to weed control. These include weed identification, sprayer calibration, timing of application, and following label directions. We cannot make the best management decisions if we don't even know what the plant is we are trying to eradicate. Identification will determine the timing of our herbicide application along with the herbicide we choose. There are a multitude of resources available to help with identification. County extension agents, extension specialists, websites, books, etc. Correct identification of the target plant helps ensure the selection of the most effective herbicide as well as most effective time of application. Sprayer calibration is a critical step for a pesticide applicator in making sure the correct amount of pesticide is applied to the target site. 
Calibration is the process by which the amount of pesticide being applied per unit of area is determined. Once we have identified the weed, we can determine if the plant is an annual, biennial, or a perennial. Growth pattern will influence our timing to maximize control as well as reduce future populations. Identification will help determine the best time to be the most effective with given herbicides. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in East Texas for Texas Ag Today. USDA's Risk Management Agency recently announced improvements regarding 2021 prevented planting coverage. Rod Bain has more from Washington. A USDA Risk Management Agency-led task force convened last spring to discuss and recommend improvements to prevented planting crop insurance coverage. And RMA's administrator, Martin Barbary, says the results are improvements that recently took effect and are available for the 2021 crop year. We're seeing some places in the country where prevent plant was becoming sort of a norm and felt like the thing to do was just make the one in four nationwide, so that's what we've done. Referring to a provision in the Prairie Potholes region requiring producers to plant, insure, and harvest acreage in at least one of the four most recent crop years for eligibility. Additional modifications create greater flexibilities regarding second crop plantings after a first crop prevented planting on the same acreage. For instance, a previous rule changed the type of prevented plant field once a second planting occurred. It would encourage producers to go ahead and try to plant a second crop if they didn't get that first crop planted without being penalized for the extra acreages in that field that they don't get planted. Just another flexibility. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Well, this is big news for the Texas pork industry, and quite frankly, it's big news for my stomach. The McDonald's McRib is available again. National Pork Board Director of Marketing Communications Jason Minke says this is the 38th year the McRib has been on McDonald's limited time menu. Which is really kind of an unprecedented mark for a limited time offer in the quick service restaurant industry. Now what's unique about this year is that this is the first year since 2012 that the McRib is going to be available nationwide at the same time. The national rollout of the McRib's limited time offer coincides with a very uncertain year. Minke says the comfort of this familiar sandwich is especially welcome this year. It's been a difficult year for a number of reasons, right? We've had a contentious election, a global pandemic, and many of us are feeling disconnected and apart from each other. Obviously, this Thanksgiving looked and felt a lot different for a lot of families. We also know that when we look at other cultures around the globe and when family and friends come together over a meal, there's a better than even chance that pork is going to be that showcase protein, especially when you look in Asian and Latin American cultures. Here comes McDonald's, right? Maybe sensing our national anxiety and frustration and giving us all the opportunity to gather over this savory, saucy, delectable pork patty. Is the McRib going to solve all of our problems and, and all of our woes? No, but it's absolutely a tasty start. And yes, I could not agree more. I had one for lunch yesterday. I'll have another one for supper tonight. What a great way to end the day. Are there mountain lions in the DFW Metroplex? Well, there may be some proof. That's coming up in our wildlife report. And soaking hay to remove sugar has become commonplace when feeding horses that are resistant to insulin. 
but how much sugar is actually removed? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a horse that is resistant to insulin, the recommendation is to soak their hay in water before feeding. But how much sugar is actually removed from that process and how effective is it? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. Hay high in carbohydrates should not be fed to horses with insulin resistance unless the hay is soaked in water. Soaking hay reduces the water-soluble carbohydrates, and the amount reduced depends on the length of soaking. High levels of carbohydrates cause an increase in blood insulin levels, which is detrimental to horses with laminitis and founder, or can cause laminitis to develop. Dr. Annette Longland from Wales tested nine different hays to determine the amount of carbohydrates and protein decreased when soaking the hay. The study involved soaking four pounds of hay in six gallons of tap water, that was at a temperature of 46 degrees Fahrenheit. The hay was soaked for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 3 hours, and 16 hours. Results indicated soaking did decrease carbohydrates, but the amount depended on the length of time the hay was soaked. Soaking hay for 20 minutes resulted in the lowest decrease in carbohydrates, and the decrease was only 5%, while soaking hay up to 16 hours showed the greatest reduction at 27%. The differences in soaking times did not significantly affect the loss of protein. Although soaking 16 hours was effective, the decrease in carbohydrates, even after soaking, may not be enough to be safe for some horses. A lot depends on the level of carbohydrates in the hay to start with, as the lower level of carbs the hay contains, the less you have to soak out. Lots of folks soak hay for 30 to 60 minutes, and that is likely not enough time depending on the hay. Ideally, you would want hay that has less than a 10% non-structural carbohydrate content and soaking would not be required. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The hearsay and lore of mountain lions in northeast Texas runs deep, but occasionally there is proof that they are there. That happened a couple of weeks ago in the DFW suburb of Rowlett. Stephanie Higgins posted a game camera video on her Facebook page that showed an elusive mountain lion walking down a dirt road in the area. Chris Jackson, who runs a website and Facebook page called DFW Urban Wildlife, confirmed that he saw and photographed the animal's tracks and then had them confirmed with a tracking expert who verified the prints. Jackson says he's been investigating the possibility of mountain lions in the DFW area, but he's only been able to confirm two. One was caught on camera near Glen Rose in 2014. 
The other was near Mineral Wells in 2018 when a mountain lion was hit by a vehicle on Highway 337. Since 2011, nearly 300 mountain lion sightings have been reported to Texas Parks and Wildlife from all over the state, but most could not be confirmed and only a fraction of those have been verified. Although there are pockets of big cats all over the state, they're mostly found in West Texas and the Trans-Pecos region. According to TPWD's website, the home range of mountain lions ranges from 50 to 80,000 acres. If you have a verifiable sighting or information pertaining to a kill of a mountain lion, they ask that you contact the closest wildlife division office or call Texas Parks and Wildlife Department headquarters at 1-800-792-1112. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Friday. We ended up mostly lower for live cattle, mostly higher on feeder cattle. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, financial, and energy markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Friday. We ended up closing mostly lower on live cattle mixed on the feeder cattle. Here's a rundown of how we wrapped up the week. December live cattle down 72, 108.87. The February down 17 at 112.40. April live cattle down 12, 116.17. January feeder cattle down two cents, 139.77. March feeders up 10, 139.42. April feeder cattle up seven cents, 140.77. Cash fed cattle market fairly quiet throughout the week. We did see some trade in Texas on Friday morning. Those cattle selling at 110, that's steady money with last week. Boxed beef has not helped things. It's been lower throughout most of the week. We ended up on Friday with choice down a dollar thirty seven two thirty nine fifty two select was down a dollar twenty eight at two twenty one sixty seven let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions we'll go to the panhandle where they sold and Dalhart Texas cattlemen's livestock auction one thousand six hundred eighteen head steer and heifer calves sold firm to four dollars higher feeder steers and heifers one to three dollars higher Medium and large frame number one feeder steers weighing three to four hundred pounds brought a dollar eighty four to two eleven a pound. Four to five weight steers a dollar seventy to a dollar eighty eight. Five to six hundred pounders a dollar forty eight to a dollar seventy four. Six to seven weight steers a dollar thirty two to a dollar forty six. Seven to eight hundred pounders a dollar twenty nine to a dollar thirty five. And the eight to nine weight steers brought a dollar twenty five to a dollar thirty one a pound. Slaughter cows range from seventeen to fifty five cents. Slaughter bulls sixty five to seventy eight. 
Staying in the panhandle, Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas, selling 1,671 head. Feeders, steers, and heifers, steady to $4 higher. Medium and large frame number one steers weighing 4 to 500 pounds brought $1.54 to $1.60. Five to six weight steers $1.38 to $1.66. Six to 700 pounders $1.20 to $1.37 a pound. Seven to eight weight steers $1.24 to $1.37. And the eight to 900 pounders just a few selling at $1.34 a pound. Slaughter cows range from 39 to 50 cents. Slaughter bulls, 60 to 70 cents. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs wrapped up the week lower. December down 15 cents, 65.87. February hogs down 35 at 66.57. Class 3 milk was lower on Friday. December down 10 cents, 15.35. January milk down 24 at 15.74 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed higher on Friday, several outside factors helping to boost cotton prices. We saw an all-time high hit in the stock market, also crude oil prices very strong. That may have helped to support cotton prices. And we're seeing a weaker dollar. That always helps exports, and that always seems to be a bullish factor. March cotton up 46 points, 71.57. The May up 45 at 72.45. December 21, cotton up 42 points, closing at 70.70 cents. It was not a good week for the wheat market. We saw a lot of big price swings, a lot of volatility. We actually ended up losing about 22 cents overall for the week in the wheat market. December Kansas City wheat down three and three quarters, 541 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down six and three quarters, 552 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down eight cents. 579 and a half. The corn market lower on Friday, December corn down five and a half at 417 a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas up five at 255. January crude oil up 35 cents, 4599 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 224 points at 30,192. The Nasdaq up 73, 12,450. The S&P 500 up 28 at 3,694. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time. We'll be waiting right here to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.